hello, hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. I did not say Happy Holidays. What did I say? I said Merry what? Christmas. That's right, man. I'm a pastor, so I can, I can, I can start a riot right now. I'm joking. Um, I do want to say, man, I really appreciate all the love and embrace and welcome that you have extended to your boy, man. Um, these last three years, and then specifically this last year, has been just tremendous, and uh, it is and has been a dream in my heart to uh, be privileged to serve as a pastor, man. And I get it, man. Uh, being a pastor is, is, is a, I'm a servant, um, and I delight in, in staying low and making much of Jesus Christ. So I really do appreciate um, your role in that because uh, as a pastor and as a servant, um, there's two directions. It's not only an inward calling that I feel, but it's an, a calling that the congregation, the, the flock, the community recognizes in well, as well. And I appreciate you allowing me to serve you. So uh, holla at your boy and uh, thank the Lord. So as you know, we are in the, <clears throat> excuse me, the fourth and final week. This is the final week, right? Fourth and final week of our The Name series, and we've been looking at um, the names of Jesus Christ, and I really am convinced this is an incredibly, uh, incredibly awesome topic to sit inside of, whether that be in a gathering like this with the, with the whole community or just personally. There's so much to savor, to enjoy, to feed on, to digest, just looking at the names of Jesus Christ, and I think it's for good reason. There's so many books and material that's been written specifically to the topic of the names of Christ. And uh, basically, the way I see it, I feel like we've been uh, scuba diving. You feel me? Like the Lord is this ocean, and we got this scuba gear. So you got the ocean, you got the scuba gear, and we've been scuba diving. And uh, today we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit deeper. And uh, if there was ever a word, I was convinced for a long time. Uh, since the Lord set your boy on fire as an evangelist, man, I really enjoy just talking with people, learning from people. Um, and since that happened um, in my life, I thought that the most controversial word, red flag word um, in the culture today in regards to Jesus Christ's spirituality would be Savior. But what I'm learning that there may be one word that's a little bit more sticky than Savior. And we're talking about it today. The word is Lord. Ms. Sue talked a little bit about what Lord is. And we actually don't, we don't really use the word Lord in common language today unless you're in church or you're in some religious gathering. So we're going to unpack that today. But I think it's a very relevant topic overall because... In our culture, we really get the value of names. Um, I'm not even going to talk about black people and names this time. I ain't going to go there today. Um, specifically, I want you to take a look at this young man right here. If you guys follow the NBA, y'all know that this guy used to be called Ron Artest. Does anybody know his name now? Meta World Peace. So when the NBA season starts on Christmas Day, this cat is going to have world peace on the back of his jersey. He changed his name legally to world peace. So you might know this guy, <clears throat> excuse me, his name is Sean Combs, or he used to be known as Sean Combs. And then, somebody's going to impress me in here. Somebody know what this guy's name is now? 
That's right. He started off as Puff Daddy, then he went to Puffy, then he went to P. Diddy, then he went to Diddy, then he went to the artist formerly known as Puff Daddy, and now he's Sean, whatever. So there's a lot to a name. And uh, when I was 16 years old, I got my first job at the YMCA working at the front desk, man. Awesome job. And the first thing that was instilled in me and all the other employees at the front desk at a YMCA was, man, Jazz, you got to learn members' names. Good morning is not good enough. You got to say, good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Sherry. There's so much in a name in our culture. The last example I want to give you is uh, a couple months ago I met a young woman who's a um, single mom and she was pregnant at the time. So when I'm talking with this young woman, she goes on to tell me all of her business, man, her, her life story about her baby's daddy, uh, how he ain't no good, and, you know, her dreams now in life and her aspirations, where she live. I think she would have told me her social security number if I asked for it. And then I was like, that's cool. Uh, what's your baby's name going to be? She was like, hold up now. You're getting a little too personal. <laughs> There's something to a name, even in our culture. So I, I think it's awesome that we're looking at the names of Jesus Christ. I hate to break it to you. But Jesus is his first name. Christ is not his last name. Who knew that? Okay, when I found that out, man, it broke your boy's heart. Okay? I'm like, man, I've been fooled, man. I've been tricked. What you going to tell me now? The Easter Bunny? It... Okay? So Jesus is his first name. Christ is not his last name. Christ is a title. And uh, what we've been looking at so far, Alpha and Omega, Lion, Lamb, Savior, Lord, these are titles, and I think it's worthwhile to say that these titles are not merely names that we have given Jesus Christ, names that his loyal followers have conjured up, and it's the conjecture of, of, of his followers' imagination, and after, the, after he died and, you know, supposedly rose again, we, like, came up with all these names to describe him, and now he's, like, this super God, man. It's, like, uh, it's important to understand that these names and these titles are names that Jesus Christ has taken to himself. This is the way he sees himself, and that's important. I was in Wild Wings right down the hill right here a couple months ago um, at one of my homeboys' uh, I think it was a birthday party or something, birthday party, and the Lord afforded me the opportunity to talk with um, one of the people there, one of the ladies that was also at this birthday party, this gathering, about Jesus Christ, and uh, she began by telling me uh, that she's a devout Catholic. I'm like, cool, cool. I, I know some Catholics who love the Lord, straight up saved, love Jesus Christ. They go to a Catholic church, and I would probably differ on some doctrinal positions, but uh, that's what's up. Well, why don't you tell me this? I asked her. Um, what do you believe about Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world and your Savior and being, you know, the only way to God? She was like, oh, no, that's arrogant. How could anyone ever claim that their master is the only way? And I humbly had to correct her, her understanding. I stressed the humbly part. Um, I had to encourage her that Jesus Christ understood himself to be the Savior. That's a big distinction, and, and Christians, we're, we're, uh, we're accused by many groups 
um, of doing just that, elevating our hero to a status that he never claimed, but Jesus Christ claimed to be these things. Got to get that. Very, very important. Um, so Jesus Christ considers himself to be the Alpha and the Omega. We talked about that, man. Eternal. Like, before there was anything, before time even existed, he was there. Alpha and Omega. Jesus Christ claimed to be the lion of the tribe of Judah, like this conquering warrior over sin and Satan. And this guy is, is God in flesh and says, man, I can take the power of Satan, crush this dude's skull, take the power of sin, destroy it. Sin killed your boy's body, but three days later, what happened? He popped out of that grave. He is the lamb slain. He said, man, your boy is the savior of the world. And today, what we're going to unpack is a big one. Everybody look to your neighbor and say big one. We're going to unpack Lord. And I've been in gatherings similar to this. Well, all you got to do is start off by talking about, man, we're going to talk about Jesus being Lord. And people are already like, man, don't judge me. Ain't said nothing yet. Ain't said nothing. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. I'm not here to judge you. I'm really here to encourage you and challenge you, man. Jesus Christ is a good Lord, man. I've been accused of, of Jesus Christ being my crutch. That is the biggest understatement ever said. If Jesus Christ is my crutch, that means I can help myself a little bit. You know what I mean? He's my crutch. I got, I, got, I got a little part of this. He's my wheelchair. You understand? He's my wheelchair. I can't do nothing without this man. He's my wheelchair. So I want to look at a scripture real quick. Mr. Brown going to pop that thing up. Romans 10, verses 1 through 9. Paul speaking about his people. Man, I talk about my people a lot. Every, all of you guys are my people. Um, but if a black man talk about my people, you know who he's talking about, right? Talk about my people, all right? Paul's talking about his people. Paul wasn't black, but he's talking about his people. This is what Paul, this is what Paul said. He said, dear brothers and sisters, man, the longing of your boy's heart, man, my prayer to God is that my people will be saved. He's like, man, I know what enthusiasm, enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected. He says, man, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying, trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose of which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Verse 5. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at, at, uh, very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Now, check this out. This is it. Paul says, man, if you're talking about being saved, this is how it goes down. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is, what? Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He validated everything Jesus Christ ever claimed, okay? God would not raise a liar from the dead. Jesus Christ goes around talking about, man, I'm one with God. I created everything. I'm the son of God, God in flesh. I'm the alpha, omega, lion, lamb. I'm the returning king. I'm all these things. God wouldn't raise him from the dead if, this, if he was lying. He rose him from the dead. That's a whole conversation. I would love to go there with you sometime. God raised him from the dead and validated what he claimed about himself. But check this out. That's not enough. You cannot just claim or believe that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. That's all very good. There's something very personal here. The scripture says, man, in order for you to be saved, you got to understand that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Yes, but you have got to embrace him as this word. What's the, Lord? What's the word, y'all? I gave you a hint right there. The word... <laughs> Is Lord. And Paul says, man, in order to be saved, you got to understand it. So let's talk about it. What does Lord mean? We don't really, we don't really know what that means in our culture. We don't even use that word. It can be defined as simply as this. Lord is a person who has authority, power, or ownership of something. Way back in medieval uh, Europe, Got the lords and the ladies. And the reason the men are called lords is because they own land. So you own something, you own land, people work on it, you're called a lord. And so let's start with this on a macro level. Jesus Christ is known as Lord. You got to embrace him as Lord. And macro level, big scale, universally, Jesus Christ owns the whole universe, the whole thing, the whole thing. Paul put it this way, man. He said, for by Jesus Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, everything was created by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. He says in another scripture, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And your boy John says... Through Jesus Christ, all things were made. Without him, nothing, I'm saying nothing, has been made that was made. That includes himself. I had a conversation with some Jehovah's Witness friends of mine. I do stress friends because we, dis we differ and we disagree. Um, but I have too much love uh, for them and for their eternal position before God to consider them enemies, man. I love them, and I want them to know the truth. And the scripture says explicitly, Jesus Christ is the creator. Everything that has ever been made has been made through him and for him. That's macro, okay? But we got to go a little bit more personal. You can't just believe that and be saved. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's go micro now. The question is this, and I want to ask you this question. Straight from your boy's heart. The universe belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He owns it. The question is this. Do you belong to Jesus Christ? You. I got to look myself in the mirror and I got to ask myself that. Do I belong to Jesus Christ? And here's the thing, man. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He don't come in your crib and say, man, I'm taking over. That's my Xbox. No. It's an invitation. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Check out what that scripture said, what I read earlier, Romans 10, 9. You got to confess with your mouth. You got to believe 
with your heart. So I'm not judging. I'm just asking, is he your Lord? Do you belong to him? Back to that idea where people, you know, they'll, they'll cross their arms and don't judge me. Check this out, man. If you saw me in the mall and I asked uh, some of the fight clubbers here last Sunday, they were over at the house with Maggie, Maggie mentors, a handful of the young ladies here. And uh, as we're having lunch, I'm just having conversation with them and I asked the man, check this out, man. If you saw me in the mall, right, you saw me from a distance, you're like, oh, I think that's jazz. Yeah, that's jazz. That's jazz. Let's go holler at jazz real quick. And you walk down the way, and as you get closer, you notice, like, man, I'm holding hands with this girl, and she got, like, long, brown, curly hair. Now, y'all know Maggie, man. She got, like, you know, medium-length blonde hair. So you see me holding hands with, with this girl. She got long, brown, curly hair. And then you get a little bit closer, and you notice she, like, like six foot one. You're like, hold up, Maggie's, like, five foot Four, five foot five. They don't look like Maggie. You see me holding hands with another woman. I'm supposed to be married, but you see me holding hands with another woman. You have a right, and you should. You owe it to me to come to me and say, yo, dog, I thought you was married, dog. That ain't Maggie. What's up? And I say, don't judge me. <laughs> you have a right, and as a community, we have a responsibility. You see me holding hands and embracing someone else. When I said I give my life to love my wife, I give my life to serve her, now you have a responsibility to me and to the ministry God has afforded me and to the dreams that God has put in my heart for his glory. You have a responsibility to come to me in love and, and humility and gentleness and say, Jazz, bruh. And I know I, there are men in this church, women in this church, I'm so privileged to have that will speak the truth um, to me in my life. And those conversations have been had and they will continue to be had about my priorities in serving and loving uh, my wife and choosing set number of ministries. I can't do everything I want to do. I got to choose and let God work through me. Um, but there's a responsibility and my responsibility to you uh, as a brother, not just as a pastor, but just as a brother in Christ, to say, man, if I see you walking in sin and you're holding hands with sin, not Jesus Christ, I got to say, talk to me, fam. You're Christian, right? And when they pull out that card, don't judge me. I'm just going to say, man, in love, I'm not judging. I can't judge your heart. I can't, I can't tell you what your motives are, but I can judge your fruit. And I can say, man, they don't really, they don't really match up. It might not be wise for you to, to be walking like this, hand in hand in the mall with sin. You feel me? So check this out. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Jesus Christ go beast mode on this, man. So why do you keep calling me Lord? Lord, when you don't do what I say. But he doesn't stop there. And I'm so glad. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me and listens to my teaching, then follows it. It's like that person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey, it's like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods 
sweep down against that house, it'll collapse into a heap of ruins. Jesus Christ is not saying, man, follow me and obey me and do what I'm telling you to do out of any other ambition besides the fact that he is Lord and if you belong to him, you belong to him. He has a right to say these things, but he's saying, man, when you do it, it's going to benefit you. It breaks the Lord's heart for his, his children, his followers, to get wrapped up and entangled in sin. The things that he said, man, I know what you need. I've been there. I've seen what you need, and I have a plan, and we walk away, man, and then we get mad at him for saying, Lord, Lord, why you, why you call me Lord? We get mad at him, and we get mad at brothers and sisters in Christ who gently and in love come and confront and say, man, listen, this is headed to destruction. And Jesus Christ is saying, man, if, if, if you follow me, if you just give me the reins to your heart, it's going to be like that house built on solid rock. Blood waters come, man, you still stand. He's not saying it's not going to be hard. He said when it gets hard, man, you're going to have this foundation, and Jesus Christ is that rock. So check it out, man. You guys know the Beatitudes. First Beatitude up in there, Matthew chapter 5. He said, man, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people can't accept Jesus Christ, Alpha, Omega, Lion, Lamb, Savior, Lord, because they're not spiritually poor. And there are a lot of things that will make one spiritually arrogant. Hedonism is one. Hedonism uh, is just a word that describes a uh, debaucherous lifestyle or a lifestyle that's all about what my flesh is telling me to do, man. Whether that be money, um, worldly success, um, sex, um, anything. Hedonism is I do what I want to do, and it's just craving, and I just got to get more. I got to get more like the cookie monster. And you can't get enough. That's hedonism, Okay. But that's not the only thing that will make one spiritually arrogant. Jesus said, man, in order to see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be poor in spirit. You've got to say, man, I don't have what it takes. Not just hedonism, but religion can do that. Devout churchgoers, like even up in Highland Christian Church, who feel like, man, because I go to church every Sunday and you know, Pastor Shannon ain't got to encourage me to, you know, be, you know, all or nothing. Like, I give, like, not even 10%. I give 10.3%, okay, of my money. Like, religion can make one spiritually arrogant. Or your family heritage. My mama, she was a Christian for, like, 83 years, and she died when she was 75, okay? <laughs> like, family heritage. Or your service to mankind or being, you know, a virtuous, good person. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to and they're banking on getting in because they say, man, I'm a good person. You know, I just feel like, you know, basically as long as I'm as good as I can, God will sort out all the rest. It'll make you spiritually arrogant. Or just this, man. I got this, man. I don't need Jesus Christ, man. I'm straight, man. I feel good. Jesus Christ saved me from death. Like now and later, man. I got this, man. I feel more alive than I ever felt. I don't need Jesus. These things make us spiritually arrogant. And Jesus Christ is saying, man, I desire to be Lord of your life, and I know what I'm doing. I'm qualified, man. I ain't just go to get a bachelor's or a master's. Man, your boy got a PhD in this thing. Like, trust me. 
I'm going to close with this. Very important concept. If you're still there, if you follow me, say amen. amen. The Lord does not desire to be Lord of your pocketbook, calendar, date night, sex life, none of that. He wants to be Lord of your heart. When he's Lord of your heart, he gets everything. Check out, when they asked Jesus Christ, he said, man, what's the greatest command, man? Like, all of these commands in the Bible, man, it's, getting, it's, it's, it's just stacking up for you, boy, man. Lord, tell me, what's the greatest command? What did he say? Love the Lord, your God, with your money. No, he didn't say it. Love the Lord, your God, with all your possessions. He didn't say it. Love the Lord, your God, with all of your time. He didn't say it. He went for the jugular, man. He said, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. I really appreciate the, the emphasis that Pastor Shannon puts on um, our tr attempting to reach to in invite people to spend time investigating Jesus Christ and his plan and who, and who he is. Um, you don't have to feel like, you know, you got to come in and, you know, day one, just say this prayer. And now, man, I'm a full-fledged Christian. Like, we want to be in an environment where you can belong before you believe. And the reason is you're not going to give your heart. You shouldn't give your heart to somebody you don't know. You feel me? And young people, write that down and, like, put it on your Facebook page or something, okay? You don't want to give your heart to somebody you don't know. Um, you know, I went through the ringer, man, trying to get Maggie to be my wife, man. She about killed your boy, man. We think back now, I'm like, man, if it was not for the grace of God, man, I mean, I thought I was the man before I met Maggie, and she, like, brought your boy, like, way down here. But Maggie was investigating me, man. She wasn't going to give her life to somebody that wasn't, wasn't, you know, didn't have qualifications and, you know, the humility that it was going to take to follow Christ and be the man that she needed. Um... And Jesus Christ is inviting us to consider his qualifications, man. I think, like, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant is a beast, man. Check out the Lord's stats, okay? His stat sheet. And I'm not just talking about, you know, walking on water, giving sight to the blind. That was, that's off the chain, okay? Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He's love-worthy, man. He says, I want you to love me with your heart. He's love-worthy. You feel me? Like the sin that belonged to you, and because of that sin, God's wrath is naturally over you, although he loves you. Because you're a sinner, you're an enemy to him. And the Father says, man, I love you. I don't want you to have to pay for your own sin. Jesus Christ comes forth, pays for your sins. He says, man, just receive it. Just accept it. Your boy wrote you a check that you could never write to pay for your sins. He's love-worthy. And not just that, he's a good Lord. Y'all ever had a boss, man, that asked you to do stuff that they would never want to do? You ever had a boss like that? Jesus Christ washed people's dirty, stinking feet. And he's like, man, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, man, you ought to wash each other's feet. He's a good Lord, man. He's love-worthy. He's demonstrated what it looks like to follow his father. And he's inviting us to that. 
May he gives us his spirit to live on the inside of us. Jesus told his followers, man, all who love me, they'll do what I say. And my father and I will love them, will come and make our home with each of them. That's intense. You might have missed it. He said, man, if, if you love me and you receive me and you put me in charge of your life, I will actually come in, take up residence in you, show you how to do this thing, give you power. Everybody say power. power. Says he wants to come and help you. In that same scripture in uh, John 13, John 14, excuse me. He says, man, I want to help you. I want to teach you. I want to bring you peace. I want to give you strength. I want to give you victory. That's the Lord. He's love worthy. I have found it to be true. And so the lasting thought that I want to leave with you, that Jesus claims to be Lord, and he is, and there is a time when Jesus Christ will come back in full glory He's going to show the world and all the cosmos that he owns it, okay? Every tongue will confess. Every knee going to drop and hit that floor. Six, eight heavy weight, you're going to bow to. And Jesus Christ is Lord. But today, he wants to be Lord of your heart. And I'm telling you, he's love worthy. Apathy is eating up. Our youth, man, and not just our youth, just our people, especially Christians who are um, or churchgoers, apathy, man. It's like, yeah, Jesus Christ did all these things, and yeah, I even get that, man. I, I get he, you know, he can run my life better than I can, man. I, I went to the bank, I cashed in my life, you know, I got all of, all, of, all of what I'm worth, man. I, I cashed in, and I put it at the, at the foot of the Lord, man. Yeah, but I'm just kind of doing my thing, man. I'm kind of I don't know, man. The passion, the zeal, I don't know. It's just not there. You know, it's not there. And Peter has something to say to you. I used to read this scripture, and it really um, used to motivate me in one way, in one way only. He said, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And as an evangelist, which is not some formal title that you get ordained to. I, I've considered just being obedient, and the way I evangelize is usually through conversation with people. Um, but uh, as an evangelist or as an obedient follower, when I talk with people, man, I've only looked at that scripture as that, man, you got to be ready. You got to study up, man. You got to know what you believe, why you believe it, man. Somebody asks you a question, man, you can't be like, yo, let me get back to you. You know what I mean? For the most, I mean, that happens. But you got to know what you believe, man, so people can know Jesus. That's all I thought that scripture said. I missed it. Check it out. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Miss Sue was talking about that word, sanctify. That word simply means You've got to intentionally make a decision as to what you're going to do with Jesus Christ in your heart. It means it's not going to happen on accident. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he wants to be Lord of your heart, but it's not going to happen on accident. It's not genetic. It's not something that you're going to get just because you were born into it. That's why we have so many people, pastors, children, um, you know, like, my grandpa was a pastor, my daddy was a pastor, and here I am, man, and I, I can't stand going to church. Okay, it's not genetic. This is a call to set Christ apart in your heart as Lord. So how do you do that? 
you consider his stats. You consider who he is. You consider what he's done. You consider how the evidence stacks up against whatever is creating a chasm in your heart. You say, man, if Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, like, Lord, give me the grace, increase my faith. I'm going to put you on the throne of my heart. And then tomorrow morning I wake up, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to put you on the throne of my heart. Maggie, my wife, best looking woman in, on the planet, set her apart in my heart. And we learned in marital counseling, if I'm looking at Maggie and I want to see the bad things, I'm going to see the bad things. But if I sanctify her in my heart and I want to see the worth that she has and the value that's so evident, but my sin nature just trying to, always trying to pimp your boy and tell me that she's not what she is. I got to set her apart in my heart. And when I do that, my marriage is going to work. And it does, and it has, and it is, and it's going to. So help me God. So I don't know. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord. And if you don't, I just want to encourage you. He's a good Lord. He's love worthy. Have you considered what he can do? Have you looked at his resume? I have seen the work of his hands. If you can go back in my family, my family, man, if you, if you ain't got no evidence, you come talk to me. I've seen him and the power of his resurrection displayed in people's lives. He is a good Lord. If you don't know him as Lord, I want to encourage you. Consider him. If you know him as Lord and that zeal is, is waning and that passion is fading, I would encourage you to sanctify him as Lord. Make that decision. You can't be lazy to do that. You can't be lazy. Lazy people don't stay married for very long, and lazy Christians don't stay zealous for very long. You got to make a decision. Say, man, I'm going to get off my butt, and I'm going to do something about who Jesus Christ not only says he is, but who he is. So I love you guys, and I want to see the power of God displayed in your life. I don't feel like I'm a juggernaut. I get people that tell me sometimes, man, you're a powerhouse in the Lord. And I really, to be honest, man, I really don't feel that way. I just feel like I, uh, I've tapped into what anybody can. I feel like I've made the, the decision to see God as he's revealed himself and he's met me there. But it takes a little effort on my part just to say I'm going to sanctify this man, this God man, Jesus Christ, in my heart. You can strip away all the titles, strip away all the money, which I don't have much. You can take my car, take my home. Don't take my wife, though, okay? Take anything you want. It's gonna, I'm going to be straight because Jesus Christ is Lord. And if he has his way in my life, he gets all the glory and it will be for my good. Question, can you say Jesus Christ is my Lord? Amen.